0: Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? How can I have confidence that the New Testament's accounts of the first Easter are actually true? Welcome to the conversation. This is Filter. Hey guys, welcome to Filter. This is a podcast where we seek to equip you with biblical clarity to live in a chaotic world. My name is Aaron Schamp and I'm just so excited that you have joined us. You know, Christianity is the only religion in the world where our entire message stands or falls on the claim that a man rose from the grave. Of course, what I'm talking about is the first Easter, the holiday that we have coming up. Um, because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then everything else that he said in his life doesn't matter. You know, all the things that he claimed about being the Lord of the universe, the all the things he claimed about being uh, the one to whom we all owe an account for our lives and that only through his work can we be forgiven from our sins and uh, and freed from punishment. Uh, only through him can we be reconciled to God. All of these parts of Jesus' message, um, if he was crucified by the Romans, uh, laid in the grave, never to rise again, then all that doesn't matter. But if Jesus did rise from the grave three days after his crucifixion, then that validates everything that he said before. Lee Strobel put it this way. He said the resurrection is the supreme vindication of Jesus's divine identity and his inspired teaching. So what that means is, is we need to pay, pay particular attention to the reasons that we have for believing in the resurrection. Whether you are a Christian who is just trying to figure out how much confidence can I have in this belief that I hold, uh, or if you're a skeptic who is trying to explore the, um, you know the merits for faith in the resurrection of Christ and, by extension, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there are a lot of different reasons why you should believe in the resurrection. A lot of evidence out there. But what I'm going to do in this episode in our limited time is just give you what I see as the top five evidences for Jesus's resurrection. So let's jump right in. The first one is the view of resurrection in the ancient world. You see, because Uh, I think that a lot of us living in the 21st century in the West in a scientific age, I think that a lot of us view this ancient society and these ancient people and assume that, well, they were pre-scientific, they were prone to superstition. And so if the disciples, the apostles went around proclaiming this message that uh, Jesus had risen from the dead, then no one would have known any better. They all would have just taking it for granted. They all would have just believed it at face value because that's what they were prone to do. I think that's what a lot of us assume. And so if we become acquainted with what these people actually thought, then I think we might need to rethink that assumption. So the first group of people, because there's two major predominant Uh, spheres of thought in the ancient world uh, during the time of the the first church and whenever the apostles would have been going around telling the message of Jesus' resurrection. And the first sphere of thought was kind of the major predominant Greco-Roman worldview, the Greek and Roman view, which is that they did not believe in such a thing as bodily resurrection. Now, they did believe in a spiritual world, and they believed that there was uh, a possibility of achieving some kind of a spiritual life after death. But for the Greeks and Romans, they mostly viewed the body and the physical world, anything physical, as being very bad. And so for them, the idea that after death, you could then uh, rise back into your body uh, or even into a new body would have been a completely preposterous idea would have been been implausible. And in fact, it would have been undesirable because once again, they had a bias against anything physical and the body and so on. They thought it would have been better to die and go into a spiritual state. So this message of Jesus rising from the grave into a new body would have been uh, implausible. The second major sphere was the Jewish worldview. And in the Jewish worldview, they viewed resurrection as something that would happen, something as bodily resurrection, something that would happen, but it would only happen to all of God's people all at once at the end of history. So in their view, whenever God would come to uh, once and for all do away with sin in this world, to cleanse this world of sin, of uh, all rebellion against him and establish his kingdom on earth, whenever he did that, he was going to bring back all of his people throughout all the ages uh, resurrecting them in new bodies. So it would happen to all of God's people all at once at the end of history. So for the Jewish worldview, the message that a that one man had been risen into a new body right in the middle of history would have seemed uh, crazy. It was not something that would have seemed uh, plausible to them, something believable. Instead, it was something that was not very easily believed by them either. Now, I know that some of us might be thinking, well, there are resurrection stories in the Bible, right? And and that is correct that there are stories of people being brought back from death both in the Old and New Testaments, right? But here's the difference. So when we look at one of these stories, like Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, the difference is that Lazarus was risen from the dead, but he was risen from the dead back into his old body, which was going to die again. So this was not the same idea that uh, that the Jews or the Christians had of resurrection where you were raised into a new body which would never die. You see, the kind of resurrection that Jesus experienced according to the New Testament and according to the the apostles was a resurrection which was a life after life after death. So the view is that Jesus was crucified, died on the cross, buried in the grave. And in this intermediate stage, uh, in those three days, Jesus experienced a, a spiritual life after death, right? the The Bible is a little unclear on exactly what happened during that time, but we do believe that that he he most likely experienced some kind of an intermediate state. But then after this life after death, he was raised in a brand new body, and it is this kind of resurrection that the Christians went about believing and proclaiming. So what that means is this: is that Because they lived in a world where none of the predominant thought systems were particularly biased towards this message, it doesn't really make sense to say that, well, they just made it up because they knew everybody would believe it. In fact, it's the opposite. It's a message that would have been very difficult for them to get across and to get people to believe in. And so that's the first reason why we should take what they had to say uh, seriously. The second reason is this early creed that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 7, we see Paul say to the Corinthians, I'll read it to you. He says, For I passed on to you, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Notice that Paul says, for I passed on to you what I also received. And so based off of that phrase, we should recognize that what Paul is saying here is he is uh, repeating something to them that he himself didn't write. It's something that uh, that he had received, that he was taught, and is then passing on to them. And then, so taking that phrase, and then also what Greek scholars tell us about this passage that we should recognize, is that what Paul is delivering to the Corinthians here is a very ancient and early creed of the very first Christian church. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. So first of all, The book of 1 Corinthians was one of the first letters written by Paul, which means it's very early. So the letter to the 1 Corinthians was written uh, very likely within 15 to 20 years after the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's that's incredibly early in ancient history. Moreover, Paul says uh, that he is reminding them of what he had already preached to them. So that places the Corinthians hearing this creed for the very very first time as uh, being a couple to several years before this. So now we're looking at somewhere more in the realm of uh, 12 to 15, 12 to 17 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But when did Paul hear this? When was he taught it? According to scholars, uh, they say that Paul must have received this ancient creed on one of his visits to Jerusalem that we read about in uh, the book of Acts. So what that means is this, is that this creed, which declares that Jesus was uh, crucified, buried, and then raised from the dead three days later, dates within the first couple of years to perhaps even the first couple of months after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What that means is this, that the very first Christians believed what Paul is saying here. It was formulated and written by them. That's important because while some might say, well, the first Christians didn't actually believe in the resurrection of Jesus because they saw him crucified. They know what actually happened to him. It was a later legendary development. But this creed shows us that that is not the case. Uh, the Cambridge scholar Richard Balcom wrote this, He says, there can be no doubt that Paul is citing the eyewitness testimony of those who were recipients of resurrection appearances. So this early creed is another great evidence that we have for Jesus's empty tomb and his resurrection. But here's another one. If we consider the first people to witness Jesus's empty tomb, it's interesting how all four of the gospels tell us that women were the first people to see Jesus's empty tomb. Now, why is that important? All right, you might be thinking, okay, so what? Here's why it's important. If we understand the context in which this story was being spread, and especially the context in which those gospels were being written, because women being the first eyewitnesses was very problematic in that society. We have to remember. This was a society that viewed men and women very differently than we do today. This was an ancient, very patriarchal uh, society. And so what that means is, is that in the society, the eyewitness testimony of women was not seen as trustworthy or valid. In fact, back in the society, uh, the eyewitness testimony of a woman was not even considered admissible as evidence in a court of law. That's how far this went. But all four of the Gospels say women were the first people to view Jesus' empty tomb. Now, why on earth would they claim that? If the Gospel writers and the Apostles were just making these stories up, they would have chosen the most reliable and best of witnesses that they possibly could have chosen to make this message more believable to the people that they're trying to fool, right? But they don't do that they choose the most unreliable witnesses to be the ones as their first eyewitnesses to the empty tomb. The uh, the renowned New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this, he says, if they could have invented stories of fine, upstanding, reliable male witnesses being first at the tomb, they would have done it. Even the skeptical scholar, the, the atheist scholar Bart Ehrman, agrees that the only possible reason that all four of the Gospels would have claimed that women were the first eyewitnesses is because they were actually telling the truth about that. What this means is, once again, they are telling the truth. Their testimony is reliable. Here's the fourth evidence. The birth of the church. Consider the context where the, goth, the message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that he uh, was crucified and rose from the grave. remember the context where this got started. You see, there's a skeptical scholar named Richard Carrier. And Carrier is someone who is doubtful that Jesus ever even existed. And he also outrightly denies that Jesus ever rose from the grave. And so he backs this up by saying, you know, we got to remember that this first century Roman Empire was an illiterate society. They were superstitious. They had a lack of understanding of science or critical thought. And he also alleged this, I quote, few would have been able to check the details of a story of resurrection if they wanted to, and few wanted to. Now, here's how we should react to this claim. Foolish. This is foolish, Okay, because we need to remember, once again, where did Christianity begin? It began in Jerusalem. The Christian philosopher William Lane Craig said that he said one of the most remarkable facts about the early Christian belief in Jesus's resurrection was that it flourished in the very city where Jesus had been publicly crucified. Jesus had been arrested, put on public trial, publicly crucified in Jerusalem. And within a matter of weeks, there is now this uh, small but rapidly growing community of people who are going around proclaiming that he rose from the dead. Now, whenever a group of people are going around proclaiming that in the city where he was crucified and buried, you can check that evidence. Because we also know from reading the Gospels that it was not uh, a secret where Jesus was buried. It was common knowledge. They write about it in the Gospels. The Pharisees and the Roman authorities were all aware of where Jesus was buried. They placed guards there, remember? Everybody knew where it was, so everybody knew where Jesus was buried, uh, and more than that, the eyewitnesses who claimed to have seen Jesus uh, resurrected from the grave were all going around and telling their story and, uh, and being uh, open and available for interrogation, for questioning, to get to hear them. And so, once again, if we consider that this message of Jesus' rising from the dead, for uh, flourished in the very same city where he was crucified and where all of the evidences were available for someone to go in and, and look at and interrogate for themselves and that message thrives still that should tell us something about the truthfulness of the account of the gospels and the truthfulness of Jesus's resurrection from the grave let me give you what i see as the last uh good big uh, evidence for Jesus's resurrection and that is the transformation of the disciples you see, the Gospels portray for us the disciples acting ex- exactly as we would expect them to. In this uh, in this period of time in uh, Israel, in, in the Roman Empire, there had been several different Messianic uprisings. You would have a very charismatic leader who would rise up, begin uh, sharing some kind of a message of freedom of establishing the kingdom of god overthrowing the roman empire that leader would start gathering together followers they would create some kind of a militia the roman empire the authorities would eventually hear about it they would come in and they would arrest that leader and as many of his followers as they possibly could and then publicly execute them they would come in and just squash the whole movement and so here's jesus and he is put on trial also as a Messianic leader, as a rebel uh, trying to overthrow the Roman Empire. Of course, that's not what he was, but this is how he was viewed. And so his disciples acted exactly as, uh, as you would expect people to act then. They all ran away and hid because if they would have been caught, they would have suffered the same fate as Jesus. And so they all run away, hiding in cowardice, uh, uh, You know, denying that they knew him. But then we need to remember, who is it that was telling these stories? Who is it that was writing these Gospels, who was telling the stories that are contained in the Gospels? They were. The very same disciples who, whenever Jesus was arrested, were the ones who were running away and hiding. They are the ones who were telling the stories themselves. They were the ones who were uh, sharing and proclaiming the message just a few weeks afterwards. What is the best explanation of this transformation that we see in the disciples? from them going from hiding in cowardice, trying not to be caught and executed like Jesus, to going about in the public square proclaiming his message. N.T. Wright, once again, he said, claiming that the original leader was alive and again was simply not an option, unless, of course, he was. Whenever we look at these evidences or any others that we have uh, for Jesus' resurrection, we have to look at them all together in totality and ask what explanation makes the most sense of all of these things that we see of the um, ability for this message to flourish where it was in a context that no one would have seen it as plausible for the ancient creed, the eyewitnesses, the birth of the church, the transformation of the disciples. What explanation? makes best sense of all these facts put together and that is that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. We've only dipped our toes in the water. There is so much more for us to be able to learn and explore um, the evidences and reasons that we have for having confidence in the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead. I hope that you'll one day dive deep into it and so that you can grow in your faith and so that you can grow in your confidence in knowing that Jesus did rise from the dead. And perhaps if you are a skeptic, if you are doubtful of the Christian message, then I hope that this would be a starting place for you. I challenge you and encourage you to look into the evidence some more, uh, to examine it carefully, and consider what explanation makes the best sense of all of this data, and just see where the evidence might lead you. I would encourage you guys to check out our show notes for highlights from this episode and for further resources for you as you continue looking into this topic. Thank you guys so much for joining this conversation. I hope that it helped you to find clarity in this chaos. If this show has helped you, would you subscribe and leave us a review? And especially, would you share it with a friend that this might help too? Uh, I thank you guys for joining us today. My name is Aaron Champ, and you have been listening to Filter.